This is the Warm Springs program on KWSO. The Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs has just recently acquired an additional ownership interest. The tribes have been in partnership with Portland General Electric since 2001, and the additional ownership interest was announced recently. Jim Mannion is the general manager of the Warm Springs Power and Water Enterprises. He talks about the additional ownership interest and what that means for the tribes. The uh, Tribes and Portland General Electric's partnership in the Pelton Round Butte project has changed uh, effective January 3rd. Go back a little bit in history, and uh, around the year 2000, tribal members voted via a referendum to take an ownership interest in the Pelton Round Butte project. That uh, allowed the tribes to exercise an option to uh, increase its ownership here January 3rd of this year. So the initial position the tribes took was a 33% interest in the project in the year 2000. That agreement had a clause in it that said the tribes have a one-time option to exercise an increased ownership position in the Pelton project. And that came around and the tribal council and the board of directors basically laid out a process for us to undertake to assess did it make sense for us to exercise that one-time option. We spent pretty much all of last year looking at where the energy market was and what the cost would be and what the benefit would be, recognizing that uh, when the tribes first entered into this agreement, it really had a twofold benefit from the tribal council's perspective. It was really looking at a potential economic benefit. And then more importantly, it put the tribes in a position at sitting at the table as an owner in undertaking the effort to reintroduce salmon above the project. And so that was really the priority the council had was uh, looking at reintroduction of one of our first foods, the salmon, above the project to their homelands that they had been blocked out of for almost 50 years. So that was a priority. And then, of course, the economic benefit that the project brings in the form of revenue over the course of the involvement in the ownership within the Pelton project, the project has generated a pretty good stream of revenue for the tribe. The real benefit behind it is uh, the economic gain the tribes will see as a result of taking a, a larger volume of energy out of the project and being able to market that and sell that energy. And, and what uh, the board of directors and the tribal council authorized was an execution of a power sales agreement between us and Portland General Electric at a price that makes the project economically beneficial for us to take that increase ownership. So what we should see in a few years to come is an increased value or increased benefit economically to the general fund. Mannion also talks about not being the only tribe who has ownership interest in a hydroelectric project. Sagish Kootenays actually, uh, just after we did our acquisition in 2000, the Salish Kootenay tribe exercised an option to take the Kerr Hydro Project and take ownership of that. It's a, it's a much smaller complex, but it's a, a now a tribally owned and operated hydro facility in Montana. Jim Mannion talks about the reintroduction of salmon and steelhead in the Deschutes River and some of the challenges that have arisen from these efforts. 
They're moving in the right direction. Uh, I, I, you know, the objective here is to reintroduce fish above the project at harvestable levels. So we don't just want a sustained run above the project. The goal really is to have a sustainable, harvestable run above the project. It's about 10 years underway and there's been many discoveries and challenges along the way. We're at a point where we're seeing movement in the right direction in terms of uh, collection of fish above the project so we can have them migrate out and then the adults of course returning. So we're not at where we would ultimately like to be and say we've successfully achieved this but we're moving in the right direction. There's progress being made but not at a point where we can say we've successfully completed that objective. So I suspect it's going to take at least another decade. The Upper Basin sat idle for 50 years. So Portland General and, and the tribes have basically spent a lot of time and energy and resources improving that Upper Basin to allow for the habitat to be productive for reintroduction. So we're moving in the right direction. And hopefully uh, before too long, we can say, you know, we've successfully completed that objective. The challenge is, as I'd mentioned, the upper basin had sat idle for 50 years without any real attention to uh, habitat for salmon. So first objective is really is what, what can we do to get those streams back in a condition that would be uh, productive for reintroduction. So that was one of the biggest challenges that we've seen. And we've seen a lot of progress in that area, restoration of streams that have really virtually been dry over the course of the summer months. That's been, I think, one of the bigger challenges. And then just understanding how and what the fish are doing in the upper basin and what we can do to successfully encourage them to migrate out into Lake Billy Chinook and then collect them at the collector facility at the top of Round Butte. That's been a big challenge, figuring out how to attract those young migrating smolts into that uh, attraction facility. Uh, there's some things going on currently that uh, we're looking at changing to accommodate the movement of those fish when they start moving in the spring. So adjustments on operations has happened. We've discovered that the migrating smolt coming out of that upper basin like to move at night. And the hydro facility is really designed to generate energy during the high demand periods, which is during the day. So in, instead of uh, generating during that high demand period, we've adjusted during migration to generate during the night so we can have flow to attract those fish coming into the collection facility. So those are kind of the two bigger challenges I think we've faced. And then we've got one that we're constantly addressing, which is the climate change. You know, there's a lot of things that have happened over the course of the last decade in terms of climate change and how does that affect the migration and how does that affect the habitat. Uh, those are things that are really being looked at continuously and, and adjusting as we go. One of the biggest objectives we have is trying to implement what we call adaptive management in the upper basin within the project. Uh, so how do we adapt, change, and modify the operation to successfully get these fish up and out and then back from the ocean? Mannion talks about other projects they are working with PGA on that could further benefit the tribes and what they have to consider to get it done. We have started some discussions. You know, one of the things that uh, I think is uh, high on the agenda for the Northwest is renewable energy. And uh, 
Portland General Electric and the tribes have sat down and looked at what are some of the possible potential projects we can expand on within the tribal land base, the trust land base here, to utilize for renewable energy. And the re- really the biggest one is solar energy. We're starting to look at what is and how can we build a large-scale facility and uh, meet all of our objectives with resource management and without negatively impacting the land base for all the criteria required within the integrated resource management plan. We've just started that discussion and we're looking at having something hopefully ready to present to the leadership uh, within the the next few years. So I did have a discussion with tribal council uh, earlier this week about this very point and asking them, you know, what is an acceptable level a footprint on the landscape here for a solar facility because we're talking about potentially upwards of 2,000 acres. We've got 640,000 acres of trust land here. Should we or can we and do we want the appetite of a 1,000 or 2,000 acre solar facility on the land base? And if we do, where? And how can it fit into our objectives and how can it fit into our requirements so we don't substantially impact uh, the, the natural resources around us? This is a project that doesn't happen overnight. It's it's probably a three to five year project. So uh, this year would be spent looking at a location. The next year would be looking at the resource impacts. Then we would follow that up with how do we put this thing together and finance it? And uh, how do we really interconnect it to the grid? Where can it plug in and how can it deliver that energy to the grid? So it's, it's a long-term project. Takes uh, three to five years to do, but something that I think would be within that time frame would be uh, probably something to expect. Mannion talks about whether or not any further development like renewable energy would have to go to the membership for a vote or if tribal council would be able to bypass that scenario. More than likely, the way that I think it would move forward is the uh, enterprise would be charged with identifying where the project would sit and what impacts it would be causing as a result of the development. And then we would basically work with the Department of Natural Resources and going through the integrated resource management plan. That plan is really an ordinance, a law, that Tribal Council has charged natural resources with overseeing. And they take all of the components within that plan and apply them to the impact that this project may have. There's public meetings that are held to identify. There are uh, technical meetings with all the different uh, groups within Natural Resource to identify those impacts. And a, a project of this size would more than likely go to the Tribal Council in the form of a request to authorize a lease of land. That land would be leased to the project over the course of you know 20 or 30 years with some conditions as designed and set forth in the, in the management plan. So I would suspect that the Tribal Leadership Council would make the decision to authorize the lease and advance the project. The question of uh, the vote for the um, project to move forward by via referendum is a decision council could make and say we want it to go to the people, but it's an authority that is granted within the tribal council's uh, charter to allow for something like this to move forward without that referendum. But again, it's it's a tribal council decision whether or not they believe it should go to the people. Mannion talks about different areas that the partnership with BGE takes them in their efforts to better the natural resources. Well, there's a, there's a, a, a lot of work. The Pelton Round Butte project is managed by uh, Portland General Electric and the tribes 
are very involved in several different facets of that operation in the form of advising uh, via the uh, wildlife committees, the shoreline management committees, the fisheries committee, the recreation committee. Uh, there are several different or groups that work on managing the impacts the project uh, has brought to the basin and what do we do to, to, uh, to manage those impacts and address those impacts. Uh, the tribal natural resource branch is very involved in a lot of those committees, so they're very aware of what's going on. So in terms of where is the footprint of the work done in the basin, uh, it's really from the headworks uh, all the way up uh, to, you know, uh, into the Ochicos, into above Bend, uh, and as far down as Trout Creek, uh, which is way, way downstream from where the project is, uh, the, the uh, partnership PG and the tribes have acquired uh, some property down there along Trout Creek for reintroduction of steelhead. Uh, and how can we get that basin or get that stream in in uh, in the basin fixed up so it's uh, successfully uh, rearing steelhead again? So there's a, a pretty a pretty broad footprint we have across the basin. In addition to that, uh, PG and the tribes have acquired about 20,000 acres of winter deer range habitat uh, on the Metolius uh, Basin area, Green Ridge area, where uh, deer come down and my and uh, and basically migrate into in the wintertime, and that, that 20,000 acres is managed by the project as well. Mannion explains an option for the tribes in the future regarding the Pelton Round Butte project. We actually, uh, in, in about uh, in, in about 16, I think it's about 16 years, the tribes have an option, uh, if they so elect, to take a majority interest holding in the project. Uh, so I think it's around 2036, the tribes will have an option to exercise an additional interest in the project to really become the majority uh, owner in the project. And, and uh, it's a... It's a decision that uh, shouldn't be taken lightly. There's a lot of responsibility becoming a majority interest holder, but there could be some real value, and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, the leadership will take a look at it at the time and determine whether or not that's something uh, that we would uh, want to do, but that's the next decision point. Jim Mannion is a general manager of the Warm Springs Power and Water Enterprises. He talks about other areas that the partnership is looking at regarding options like renewable energy. We're, you know, looking uh, at renewable energy uh, potential on reservation lands. That is going to be a, a very, very big issue in the Northwest. Uh, we're going to see proposals across the Oregon landscape in the Northwest, uh, Washington, Idaho, uh, for renewable energy. There's uh, large initiatives within the state mandates to reduce the carbon footprint. And uh, we, we as a tribe need to look at what is it we can do to to reduce that carbon footprint. Uh, and what I mean by that is really uh, eliminating the traditional or reducing the traditional energy resources that we get that, uh, that uh, heat our homes and, and turn our lights on and charge our phones. Uh, right now, a lot of that energy is coming from what we call thermal energy, uh, which is natural gas and coal. And uh, the states uh, really want to reduce that carbon footprint and, and reducing that thermal energy is, is, uh, that, that is emitting carbon uh, requires a replacement of energy. And that replacement's going to come in a to a large degree on renewable. So, uh, you know, we need to, I think, participate in helping reduce that 
Uh, and uh, it has to be done uh, respectfully on our lands. It has to be done uh, with uh, the recognition that there is some uh, impacts that are going to be caused, but how can we manage those? So we potentially uh, could see uh, some mitigation implemented that improve other areas as a result of the impact we're causing on this project or, or on this landscape for a solar project. So uh, that that's one of the charges that uh, the board and uh, the tribal council has, has given us is to go out and look at that and see what it is we can do. We've also looked at uh, a uh, geothermal facility located on tribal lands. Uh, and uh, there is some potential for that, uh, so we'll be continuing, I'm sure, to look at that. Manyet explains geothermal energy and steps that would be taken by the partnership to utilize that. Geothermal is basically taking a hot water resource that's much, much deeper than your domestic wells or the water supply we have for our domestic uh, and drilling, you know, 2,000 feet instead of four or 500 feet. Uh, so we go very deep into the earth and we tap into a hot thermal water source and we bring that water source up and we run it through a heat exchanger and that heat exchanger basically forms steam that runs a steam turbine. The steam is then discharged back into a condenser and re-injected uh, re into the earth. So none of that water that is brought up uh, is actually going to be, you know, dumped on the surface. It's going to be recycled and put back down as deep as it is uh, is where we got it. So it kind of refreshes uh, the, re the reservoir down there. Uh, and, and we've studied it for about three years now out near Canada and believe there's a resource out there that has some viability to it. So we'll continue to look at that. The next step in developing that is really uh, drilling a test well, and that's very expensive and something that uh, we would look for uh, assistance through the federal government to help us do. Uh, and we've talked with the Department of Energy about it, uh, and the Bureau of Indian Affairs through DOI has also been uh, involved in looking at how we might be able to get some funding to do that. Once we get that quantified, we have uh, a basically a, a, a viable resource that can be financed through traditional funding uh, or lending services okay. to, gen to, to build a generation facility. That was Jim Mannion, the general manager of the Warm Springs Power and Water Enterprises. Reporting for the Warm Springs program, I'm Duncan Bruno.